Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Wildcast. Before we get into this episode too much, I guess I can just kick it off by saying we're in the Orton Cup final. Um, we said it was going to be a uh, a tough game in Telford last week. Boys, before we get into the game, how are you both? Joe, let's start. Yeah, good. Oh, Tom jumped in. I was going to say, Joe, let's start with you and mix it up a bit. Look, 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 look. We already know from this weekend and before we started recording this, Tom woke up today for this and chose violence. <laughs> so I'm going to stay well clear of this and let Tom go first because I don't want him turning that on me. <laughs> no, I, I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's always nice, nice as we record these after um, kind of when we've got three wins to talk about. How are you, Joe? <laughs> I'm all right, sir. Thank you for asking me, sir. <laughs> Yeah. My my week my weekend wasn't as good, but I did enjoy following along your updates, sir. They're brilliant as always. Oh, and yours are okay too, Tom. Ben. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, we have got three wins to talk about. So before we let Tom loose on Saturday and Sunday, let's let's see if he can put a smile on his face first and go uh Wednesday night up in Telford. And big 6-4 win to to give us uh yeah to give us a, a spot in the Orm Cup final. Tom, let's talk let's talk Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean got a spot in the Orm Cup final. I mean that's the big biggest takeaway from that game. Um yeah, it was a really obviously a really good game. Um really good performance. I think the first period he kind of took it away from Telford, you know, scoring you know 32 seconds in set on the nerves, being freed up at the end of the first, you know, six six goals up in the tie, kind of, yeah, it took it away, even despite the fact we had that, you know, little wobble at the start of the second with kind of two quick goals, and then to go out and score two short-handed goals on the same penalty kill, really, if, if the first period didn't kill off the tie, then that one did, and from there on, it was comfortable, like, it's, it feels weird, feels weird, weird saying it, but it was comfortable. How scared were you when they scored those two goals at the start of the second that we were going to do it again? Yeah, yeah that was terrified. Probably, yeah, that was probably the one moment I think where you sit there and you think, hmm, they scored two goals in a minute. The lead, okay, yeah, we still got a four-goal lead, but then we take a penalty and you think, if they score on this power play, they've scored three goals in kind of four minutes to to you know get rid of our lead on the night and it's back to a three-goal game and you think this could potentially. The momentum is all with Telford, and this could potentially go south really, really quickly. But yeah, the two, the two short-handed goals, you know, from Chris Jones and then Aaron Nell really killed it off. And yeah, after that, the last kind of half hour was well, it was fun, it was enjoyable, it was comfortable because yeah, you kind of knew which way that game had gone. And yeah, I don't think it's necessarily how we expected to get through when we were talking about this last last week. But you know, yeah, it was a uh, absolute professional job done by the team and we're in the final I worried slightly when we uh, and we went 1-0 up so early on because it just kind of felt like this is exactly what happened last time Yeah, um, I was a lot more relaxed when we made that three uh, I, don't know, I don't know, Joe, have you had a chance to watch the uh, the highlights? I watched the live stream I just, turned, I just watched the live stream the best way to watch it which is with the sound off and have Tom text me through what the score updates were <laughs> which was brilliant but it's like Tom says you get 3-0 up and it's the and relax everything is going right everything's coming up Millhouse oh god why have they scored two in a minute yeah. and Let's face it, if you are a sports fan, not even necessarily a Swindon fan, you've all had that nagging thought in your head of you see that happen, it's got the oh no, not again kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, please, no, no, no. And then Tom goes, power play, no, definitely no. And then, yeah, two short-handed girls on the same power play. I think the message I sent to you, Tom, was something along the lines of, and breathing begins again. Yes, yeah. <laughs> It was um, it was like that because it was like that um, like it completely again it shifted the momentum back and yeah Telford I don't think we're ever coming back into the game from there. Yeah, I mean we've we've all seen momentum do funny things in this sport and in every sport and yeah three two 
you panic a little bit. The team stayed composed, controlled. And again, yeah, two short-handers on the same power play, which is rare in this sport unless you're playing at a very low level. Um, as Tom said, put the game to bed. It's just a solid performance. It kept the impressive, shall we say, road streak going at that point. I think if you include games you're going to talk about later, that's now uh, nine wins out of 12 on the road this year and only dropping uh, four points out of that so far. So it's like the fact that they can do this on the road and they're going into other teams, especially Telford, it's a place notoriously we've been pants in. We've both, we've all sat there and watched us have absolute shockers. Um, the worst one, I think, was probably the one where we uh, lost it in overtime after hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and then just dejectedly having to go home and thinking, we really should have beaten that team. And then Ben made the mistake of eating a roll over hot dog and paid the price for it. Oh, <laughs> um, <night>. That was <laughs> fun. I've still but, been that rink since. <laughs> but, yeah, 6-4 win. It's a professional job done. It's a definite job done it was a perfect performance and yeah we've got an autumn cup final whenever that is yeah at the time of recording this the dates still have uh, not been confirmed or announced yet so who knows uh <laughs> but don't but don't worry when they do me and tom might have a terrible idea for it i'm looking forward mm. to this idea because i think i know what the idea <laughs> is and yeah well, we can't discuss it yet because i might stay at home <laughs> No, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> oh no, trust me, I will not. Um, no, it, we need um, someone to hold. We need someone to hold a clipboard. Your record is good at that. My record's getting quite alright at that. Um, yeah. So let's. Yeah, we've got. Let's talk about it quickly. I'm sure we'll talk more once the dates are confirmed. But Swindon Leeds Cup final. That's just going to be carnage, isn't it? Pray for injured gospel. I know that sounds really bad me saying it like that, but that man is basically the MVP for Leeds. Just look at how they've been going since he got injured. They've not been very good. If he comes back, we might be in a bit of trouble. We might actually have to play. I think the big thing, I think the big thing with um, a cup final against Leeds is with the assumption that our home leg will probably be first based on the fact that Leeds will have that choice and you'd imagine they'll want the second leg in their own barn. You've got to start quicker than we did last time we played Leeds in what was Again, presumably, again, it'll be a midweek game. We'll have to start quick against Leeds because we have had the one thing that we have been doing a little bit recently, not in the Telford game, obviously, because we were 3 0 up at the end of the first, but we have had a slightly slow first period and then come into games. If you have a slightly slow period against Leeds, you can suddenly find yourself 3 or 4 0 down and really chasing the game against a team with a hell of a lot of offensive firepower. And yeah, we cannot afford to be chasing the game against Leeds. We have to go out like we've done against Telford in both legs and take the lead early and take the game to to them. Um, yeah, it could, be, it could be a really good final. It could be really end-to-end. Both teams have got lots of good offence. Um, Leeds might have some guys back by then, we don't know. Um, but yeah, even then, you've got guys like Brown and Whistle who are scoring for fun this year. And that'll be, re- you know, a real challenge for the Cats D. And obviously, we've got guys who've been scoring goals as well. So... Yeah, it's going to be a really, um, could be a really, really fun final um, over two legs. Yeah, and I've no doubt that by the time this probably gets released, you never know, we might even uh, might even have some dates. Who knows? Um, let's go. <laughs> I, I don't know if I want to do this or not. Um, ooh, ooh, can I? Can we leave him for last this time? You know what? <laughs> assuming, I that's, that's, I'm I'm was... assuming that's all right with you, Tom. I don't yes. know. If you know. I was literally about to say let let's talk about the the five two comeback win on Saturday against the Bison, and I think I'm going to say Joe, over to you. Yeah, obviously, first thing that's probably the worst start to a game we've had in quite a while, which is something to be said. Um, it's obviously never nice to be two nil down going into the first period break. Um, Bison clearly came out and did their jobs well. They took the chances they had. Um, Adam Jones is a lethal as a D-man. Um, have to say, obviously, hope you get well soon, Dan Weller-Evans. Uh, it's never nice to see anybody get an injury, especially 
someone like Dewey, who is arguably the nicest man in British ice hockey right now, or one of them. And especially given the fact it was his first start in the, in Swindon with his number one fan base there, packed to the rafters. And there were a few Bison fans as well. Um, to see him get pulled off, I think it was after eight minutes. I don't know yeah, if that's correct. Yeah, it was about there. 7.45 or something like that. Yeah, so that's never nice. But yeah, I'm... <laughs> let's face it, we're all from that era where when the Wildcats went 2-0 down to the Bison... After 20 minutes, we all just kind of, you know, throw your hands up in the air. Right, that's it. That's the game done. What's the point anymore? So to see them actually come back and to put them away, to have five unanswered, much like the other week in Basingstoke where it was three unanswered to win the game, it's just nice. And something, again, that I said last week, which is like, this team is capable of something special and it's performances like that that prove we actually know what we're talking about sometimes and that this team could do things down the line and frankly I don't know about you Ben it was just really nice to have a game where there were no controversial incidents in it there's nothing 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 untoward happened there was no you know dirty plays or anything like that there was nothing it was a perfectly good clean game of hockey I think we've covered it perfectly and I think what I'm about to do is say Tom Sunday unless there's anything that he may think that we've missed there's one or two moments that you might have missed. Um, I mean, it, just to add to what Joe said, again, yeah, get well soon, do we? Get well soon, do we? I think that's, um, yeah, we, he's a, like I said, genuinely lovely guy, and it's something that we've been waiting for for a long time, is to see him get the opportunity to get a start in Swindon, um, and for it to end after less than eight minutes is gutting for us. It's obviously even more gutting for Dan to be injured, but yeah, hopefully it's nothing too serious and it'll be back soon. Yeah, before, it was a, yeah it, before you get too ranty, I'll just bounce and say, yeah, Dwee, if you are listening, mate. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope that's not as bad as it looked, but and hopefully you'll be out there in the pipes again soon, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual game, it was a kind of really good comeback for the Cats, as you said, and I think particularly in the second period, they did a really good job of restricting Basingstoke, and you kind of, it kind of had that feel of a game that once we get a goal all is going to be fine and it's just getting that first goal breaking the bison um, resistance and that's exactly what happened I think it's got three relatively quick goals and there was only ever one winner from there unfortunately there was the game was soured somewhat late in the second period um, an incident that was I, I believe picked up by the cameras in um, Swindon but Ashley Tate deciding to hit a home run off Matt Thomas Malazinski's legs, I think we could say, with a two-handed slash that was unfortunately missed by the officiating team and left rather a bad taste in the mouth of the Wildcats players and supporters. I think at one moment it it did look like certain members of the Wildcats squad may have been lining up to have more than a few words with, um, with Ashley Tate. Um, fortunately, I think, fortunately for him and fortunately for perhaps the, the sanity of the game, the period break came at the right time because there was about 10 seconds left in the period. Malash went off to get treatment and was able to continue and come back and continue the game in the third, which is good. Um, you don't want to see injuries like that. I know um, Lucas Lankowski, um broke his wrist on a similar play against the Basingstoke Bison um, earlier in the season So and hasn't played since. So. Are you saying there's a pa- are you saying there's a pattern to these things, Tom? No, I'm just saying it's coincidence. Um, but yeah, I think that sort of play is something that we don't want to see in hockey, and I think it is really disappointing. The sort of one that it got missed. I mean, we know officials are human; they can't see everything. I don't know what kind of a view that Paul Brooks or Andrew Jarvie or either of his either of their um, lines line, lines people had had an opportunity to see but you'd, you'd like to think that a play like that someone in the officiating crew would see that and be able to even if it's even if it's not one of the referees be able to report back to a referee and make sure a call gets made because it had the potential to really turn the game nasty in the third and then you end up with guys running around and trying to get retribution and you know that's the last thing you want to see is that situation and I 
you did have that kind of worry going into the third period that is Ashley Tate going to get, you know, is someone going to have a try and get a bit a piece of Ashley Tate? You say that, I, I don't mean I don't mean you're a joke, but you say that. Um, someone apparently tried to. I've seen this reported a couple of places that there was a Wildcats fan yes, tried I mean, to get Ashley Tate during the second period. But yes, and if will, that's you, don't come back. Yeah, I would idiot. add that. I would I would that I would add to that that you know there is no place for fans to be, you know, fronting up to players or what I didn't really see what was happening because it was un- directly underneath me, so underneath where the balcony is and I couldn't really get a good I couldn't really see what was going on. But yeah, like we can all shout and rant and have our peace, but you know, don't get in the face of players. That's that's not on and we don't want to see that in any rink, let alone the you know, let alone the link centre. And I think security dealt with said person and moved them away to a kind of position in there that wasn't so Yes, I believe it was the harvester they moved them to. Yes. <laughs> um yes. So yeah we don't want to see that but it's it's just unfortunate because we all know that what kind of a career Ashley Tate has had, and it's unfortunate for me that the red mist would have come down on him there. I I I, I definitely don't advocate fighting or like retribution in hockey, but there was definitely a time where I thought there's guys there who are going to be willing to have a swing at him if they want, if they want to, and if you know that's the way the cats want to go, but. It's not really the cat style, I don't think, to go go around to do that. So, I, I think that I think cooler heads eventually prevailed. And like I say, I think the period break probably came at the right time. I think if that had happened earlier in the period and we hadn't had a chance to have that kind of fifteen minutes to sit down and cool out and cool down in the dressing room, then it might have been a bit of a different different story. Um, but yeah, it left it left a bit of a bad taste in the mouth. As did the wording of the um, Basingstoke press release that was released, or match report that was released the next day. And I know you two have seen that. Um, I know you both do media for well, obviously Ben for the Wildcats and Joe for the Solon Devils. Would you have worded your social media posts in any way similar to that? You know, accusing a player of going down while sh- like he was shot. I'll let Ben go first on this. I was going to say, should we answer this at exactly the same time? <laughs> because... My answer is going to be a bit longer for other reasons. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Short answer is absolutely not. Um, I am, I, and I know I tweeted this. If anyone out there is listening that has follows me on my personal Twitter feed, um, the match reports that I write for the Wildcats website, I make no bones about it. May not be perfect, may not be the best in the league, but I will always put the facts in there uh by all means talk about the incident the incident happened i have no issues with that yeah um but again for me if i'm going to write about that it will be the facts uh and that you was I mean, that was a off the puck incident with between ashley tate and thomas malasinski which wasn't called by an official and then the period break happened you can't argue with any of that that's the truth it's what happened i don't like the personal opinion on an official match report on an official team's website or social media platform. I've never been a fan of it. If you want your personal opinion, by all means, you're entitled to it. Have a blog, start your own thing, do it on your personal accounts. Uh, Don't start mixing it in with the club because for me, that's where you then have issues with press and fans and it just gets all nasty and it doesn't need to. And that's my medium answer. Joe, what was your slightly longer version uh well mum was gonna say it's pretty much the same parts like we're all fans anyone who does this kind of side of it none of us are professionals in this we are all volunteers you have obviously got those very distinct spectacles whenever you do report things those slight things on your team and we've always done it as a case of especially on well now that i've been allowed on the show and obviously with the devils i'm sure ben does it with the wildcats of yes things happen at the time Yes, they annoy you. Yes, they frustrate you. But then, much like I said last week, you have an hour after the game, you vent, you rant, you get it all out of your system, and then you compose yourself and write it properly. That screamed for something that was written at the time, was frustrated, was angry, and just word vomit onto a site. Yeah. And that's what it was. And it's something that doesn't need... It's, it's, I don't want to say it's embarrassing. I think I use that phrase on my Twitter. But it's a case of when people ask me why isn't hockey 
as big a sport over here that it is in other countries around the world. That's one of the things I've pointed to. There is just some rank amateurism in some teams, not all teams, but some teams, obviously everyone has a moment of where they, you know, mess up, say they geo-block a live stream of a Continental Cup and try and charge their fans 30 quid to watch it, even though it was free. Um, there were There's, you get reports from teams of just obviously seeing games through the one viewpoint. And the view of the man says, obviously he is entitled to his, his opinion of this. We don't agree with it. I obviously wasn't there. I can't agree with it. But I would point out the fact that knowing the format of the Link Centre and where the away fans sit, how is he going to see an incident that happened down the opposite end of the ice? The away block is one side. That incident would happen the other side. You could see whatever you want. And the reason I said this was going to be a long answer is, <laughs> and this is going to sound all soppy and warm and cuddly inside, I'm proud of what I do. I'm proud of what we do. I'm proud of my mates and what they do. When it, Tom, whenever Tom got his job last year, I was proud of him for that. I'm proud of him whenever he goes to one of, does one of his concerts because he's always so happy about it, and I'm proud of everything he does. I'm proud of Ben with everything he does for the Wildcats. You won't find anyone who works harder in the National League doing what he does. And I'm proud of the fact that he can actually sit there after a game, be it on a coach home or on a Monday when he's on his lunch break writing these match reports and do it without as much bias as what was shown in that, which went out on the Saturday night. It's one of those things, like, it's so hard doing this job when you see things like that and you're trying to remain level-headed and calm when you just want to scream and rant at the world and point out all the inaccuracies. So... To see another team do that and it being taken as gospel just aggravates me so much when me and Ben both have to do it and try and stay level-headed 50-50. I mean, again, personal plug for me here. I live commentated a game on Saturday using Twitter and I called everything straight down the middle the way I could see it. Like, you have to do that in this job. Yes, be a fan. Yes, be a little bit biased at times, but you have to give credit and praise and criticism where it is due. And that one, there wasn't. So like I said, I'm immensely proud of Tom and everything he does and immensely proud that he can actually put up with me and Ben's ranting about various ice hockey things and not somehow have lost his mind after, what is it now, eight, nine years of this. And I'm also always immensely proud of Ben for everything he's done for the Wildcats. And Ben's even crying. It's brilliant. You know what? I was just about to say because I know Tom's got uh, something else he's going to say. Uh, but you know what, Joe? We say this a lot as well. We're equally as proud of you and the work that you've put in. Uh, and you know what? Yeah, that, thanks, mate. That that genuinely does mean a lot. And uh, yeah, we're equally, if not more, proud of the work you're doing with NIHL Stats and the Solent Devils. And what was it you put on Facebook becoming the first person to live stream a game on Twitter in the UK as well as the first person to do this and the first person to do that? I'm an innovator. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Superb. But Tom, you said you had something else uh, just to say. Yeah, I mean, wow, this episode just, just got all like cuddly and fuzzy and heartwarming. And it was the only way I could cast. think of, it was the only thing I could think of to calm yeah. Tom down. Yeah. Everyone's going to come as fuzzy as his jumpers. So, yeah, nothing's that fuzzy. So, for our three remaining listeners, you've got through all of that, you know, mutual, mutual loving that we've had there. Um, Thank you for staying on and continuing with episode this episode. Um, Don't worry, we'll start taking the piss out of Tom again in a minute. Yeah, just just a a final point on on that before I just say the other quick thing I wanted to say about the Bison game. Um, Obviously. It's not what what we've said is no malice towards the volunteer who wrote the Bison match report. I mean, I know who wrote it. He's a massively long-time fan of the Bays and so Bison. I know, you know, hopefully it's a learning experience, you know, as well that, you know, you just, yeah, mistakes were made in the writing of that report. And I know they've been amended now on the website. So, you know, I think Bays and Silk are very lucky to have him as a fan. And yeah, just, it's just one of those things that, Hopefully, in the cold light of day, we can look at, back at it in the future and say, yeah, let's not do that again. Um, the other thing I would just say in, on the match um, on, on Saturday, before we move on to Sunday's game in Slough, is 
I know he didn't get man of the match, but I think Ballant McCosley, so many people said to me after the game, what a performance from that young man. And I think the last few weeks he's been so, so good. And he's arguably one of the hardest working players in the league at this point. The amount of pucks he wins back, the amount of skating he does, you know, he, he really deserved those two goals he scored on Saturday at, at the Link Centre because, yeah, he maybe hasn't been putting the puck in the net as much as he might like, but yeah, he's been he's been doing such a such a key job for the team on that line. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a fantastic performance again from him. He's definitely been one of the more hardworking players on the team the last few weeks. Um, okay, let's let's head back down the M4 because well, we haven't been there enough recently. Uh, Slough Sunday, slightly deja vu. Swindon against the bees. Tom, was it a case of almost one game too far in an 11-day stretch? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it wasn't a bad performance at all, um, particularly the second period. I thought the Cats were really, really good and really, really clinical. Um, the Bees did what you expect a Bees team to do, and they battled really hard, and they scored you know, a scrappy goal in the first period in front of the net just for pure hard work and determination. Um but yeah, I mean the cats. For, I think for two periods were were quite good and worked quite hard. I think the third period, as you say, almost almost ran out of steam and you know gave you know they they conceded a goal to Dominic Gabay, which to be fair was an excellent finish. You'd expect the sort of thing you'd expect from Dominic Gabay, and then almost made it or made hard work of it at the end and almost threw it away with a. Uh, conceded a goal from a, off a poor turnover, which was put away by Nicholas Ornmarker, which I think will be a big weight off his shoulders because he's come into some criticism from Bees fans in the last couple of weeks. So it'd be good for him to get a goal um, there. And then, to be fair to to be fair to Swindon, we did well and hung on it, hung on in the last kind of stages, um, including killing off a kind of half minute six on four power play at the end. Um, so yeah, it was a job done. I think. I think the boys will be glad that they haven't got a midweek game that they can have a week off now. But it was, yeah, it was. It wasn't our best performance of the season. I think we edged the win. We deserved to edge the win, but yeah, it was. It, we were close to being maybe a game too far there. Um, I know it's an early stage of the season, and we can't use tiredness too much as an excuse. But I think you play, when you play that many, when you play midweek two games in a row, and you've had a run of road games before it, then yeah, I think the it does catch up after a while. Yeah, Joe, anything from that you picked up on in your bits this weekend from, from that game? It's it's just one of those wins, isn't it? I mean, you look at the game sheet and it kind of reads as five, uh, five two up after two periods, right, let's just shut it down. Let's make sure we're keeping it the bad shots. And that's what kind of comes across by the fact that Cats only had four shots in the third period. Um, it's like I said, is it six games in 11 days or something like that, I think it is? Yeah, four of them on the four yeah. of them on the road. Yeah. Obviously, that takes its toll on anybody. I mean, that's schedules that not even NHL teams are having at the moment. Playing six games in eleven days. Um, but yeah, it's another case of job done, and it is a sign of a good team when you can have a performance that is, by lofty standards, considered bad, and still get two points out of it. But okay. it's the sign of the quality there. I was going to ask you actually. Do you think that's a game? in a few years in the past that when we've conceded those two goals in the third period, we're a goal down with what, four or a bit minutes on the clock that potentially we end up going to overtime, potentially losing. It has been, and it usually is against Bracknell. Thankfully, it's not the John Nike anymore. So it's that, that rink always seemed to be that bogey rink where we would have those games and we'd go and, it would end up in overtime and then we'd inevitably lose. So to go to Slough and to pick up the two points with a not-so-perfect performance is brilliant. And Tom said it earlier, a minute ago, saying about how we can't use tiredness as an excuse this early in the season. But what you can do is you can look back at these games early in the season where we have clung on, we have held out for two points, and that will add up down the line. Let's face it, this season is... 11 games old in terms of the league campaign. There's, We're a quarter of the way through it already now. It's, it's games like this where you're picking up wins, and even when the Cats are losing at the moment, they're getting overtime points as well. 
these add up when you get to the business end of the season and that holding out for a 5-4 win like Ben said where usually it would snowball into something else is obviously it's something that will add up at the end of the line for the bees I mean I've seen them a couple of times this year I've seen obviously again highlights of this and it's a team that is in transition for many reasons obviously you lose the rink, you have to now travel to Slough. The fan base obviously isn't as strong as it once was. Now having to go to Slough out of Bracknell, it's difficult. They've they've got players there who are capable of great things. Obviously, Dominic Dubai is fantastic on his day. Ed Bradley has hit the ground running in the National League. But they're a team that seems to struggle with everything else in the middle. It's having a couple of talented players and just sort of hoping for the best right now. I know they've had a few of the Style Jets juniors turn up. I think uh, you said Christian Moore played yesterday for them. Yeah. Uh, Uha Lindgren is up there full-time now. They've got uh, Jacob White Say has played a couple of games there so far. Uh, Lewis English has played a few. They're a team that is lacking in the talent needed to compete, which is why you're seeing these games where they are quite low scoring, it's quite low event hockey for the bees at the moment and it's kind of not what the fan base deserves, the ones that who are loyally trekking to Slough each week or going to Leeds or going to Telford and just following it around until they drop down dead eventually deserve better than what they're getting at the moment because for the last few years the hockey hasn't been entertaining if you're a bees fan Dominic Gavai comes in two years ago and it was a completely different team. And now you've lost players like um, Josh Ely Newman's gone. Joe Beth retired, came back. Like They've lost some of that talent, not really replaced it on the ones they have done, haven't quite performed up to the level I think they were expected to so far. Yeah, I think that's, that's entirely fair. Tom, I've got one question for you both, but before I ask that, I'm going to say anything else to add on Sunday. Um, not really. I mean, I mean, on the bees, obviously, they have. If you look at their recent, I think they've lost six games in a row without a win. But most of those games have been a goal or two goal games. So they just need to. At the moment, they're just not finding ways to finish up those close games. Ooh, let's check, shall we? I think, uh, I think there's obviously we won. We, uh, there's a four 0 cap is, win in there as well. But it is six in a row. Those games are seven six in Basingstoke, four 0 to Swindon. 7-5 to MK, 5-3 to MK, 5-2 to Leeds, and 5-4. Yeah. Uh, they so have, one, they one, have one, lost uh, nine of their last 12. Yeah. And they've just got to find ways to, you know, close out some of those tight games. I mean, to the Cats, I think a couple of Bees fans I've seen mention it as well. I think we do have to say, we, we talked about signing last week, but three really solid performances from Declan Balmer as part of the Cats team. And then Ben's reaction says that's probably going to be the question he was going to ask. I literally no, I, was about... I think Ben's reaction is says, you're about to be fined 50p. <laughs> no, I literally was about to say to you both on the basis we hadn't actually mentioned him yet. Uh, <laughs> we talked about the three games. How did you both see Declan Balmer fitting in over those that trio? But you're going to... Yeah answer that one now for us anyway yeah like he fitted in he fitted in really well um i think with particularly with defensemen we've seen over in the past it can take a few weeks to kind of fit into the cat system and kind of reset into the pairings but declan's played with two different guys in the three games he played with sam godfrey in telford because neil lydiard wasn't there and then he's played with tyler blues over the weekend because neil lydiard was back and back on his pairing with goddess and i think he's fitted in well on on both of those pairings and he's kind of not missed a beat in terms of just jump straight into that pairing or straight into that defensive unit and yeah just adds adds something else to that unit you know he's a good pass first d-man he can play some power play minutes he's got a couple of assists in slough on sunday and him and tyler blues are a physical d pairing shall we say you know they but neither of them are afraid to play the body and you know do this sort of dirty work um, defensively, so I don't think you're going to be um, having too many forwards messing with a netminder when that's the deep end they're going to be on. Um, so yeah, I think it was it's really good to see how Declan fitted in, and you'd like to think he's only going to get better with more game time with the team. Yeah, and Joe, I was going to say this. Uh, I know you called this last week, so a big pat on the back for yourself here. 
Sunday night power play. Out comes Declan Barmer, uh, quarterback in that uh, at the point, and I know that was a big point you made last week. So uh, big tap on the back for you for that one. Occasionally, we know what we're doing about. We might not be, you know, hockey bods as it's commonly known or anyone who's been involved in hockey for that long, but we've watched enough of it between the three of us to know what is likely to end up happening in terms of players. And yeah, just anytime you can bring an improvement to your defence like Declan Barmer, you can't obviously be upset with it, let's face it. There's, you're not... You're not signing Declan Barmer going, oh, no, no, I'm heartbroken. Our defence is better. Um, the only thing, obviously, is when everyone is available, the 17-man, someone's got to miss out. Um, it looks like from the weekend that might be Sam Smith. Uh, obviously, the reasoning behind that is he has shown a bit of versatility that he could be used as an extra forward if need be. He obviously also has the two-way deal with Bristol. Um, I, I feel bad for Sam in that case, but if it's there's going to be opportunities, like injuries are going to happen. We know Wits was carrying an knock. We know Lids is, was wasn't available Wednesday night. Uh, Never sells Mister Game already. There's going to be opportunities for everybody. It's just whoever can take them the most. Yeah, absolutely. And Sam hasn't done anything wrong. Um, let's just put it out there. Sam hasn't done anything wrong when he has played and. He's going to be ready to step in, and he did get a couple of shifts as a additional forward on Sunday against Nice Time, which was good to see. Um, Declan also, before we move on, Declan also has something which I'm very excited about, which is a left-handed shot in the Wildcats D, which is something we have not seen very much over the last couple of years. But it does give us that different different look defensively, you know, to have the guy who shoots on the opposite side to the rest of the defensive unit. And does that mean he's going to start banging on about left-handed D like he does with the Maple Leafs all the time? Something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, he's going to anyway. start tweeting the uh, the guy that over in Canada that he tried to before. I remember he took a screenshot and said, "Look, we've got all right-handed defensemen now. Can you follow me?" Yeah, I did, and he didn't reply, so I'm not going to do that again because it was a epic failure. Anyway. Actually, also, what's wrong with that? Uh, bear in mind, there's a uh, talk tactics with Aaron with the supporters club on uh, on Friday. Does that mean you're going to be able to ask him that same question that you did a couple of years ago? Yes. Good. Will I? I don't know. But yes, it does mean I can ask that question again about left-handed shooting D and right-handed please, shooting. Please, 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 if you ask that question. Do you say it's Friday? It was yeah. Friday, yes. It, it's Friday. If you do that, please, can you, you know, stand up and go, hello, Thomas Graham, the Wildcast. <laughs> just... Please introduce yourself. That would be so funny. Also, Aaron, we know you're listening. We will be chasing you up for that 50p fine. You did say the B word in your post-match interview. Ben is on it. Uh, yeah, uh, just to fill you in on that one, Joe, if you weren't aware, we had the talk tactics a couple of years ago when Tom was talking about all the right-handed defensemen, asked Aaron, probably expecting quite a technical response, and Aaron's response was, it's not my fault, they're all right-handed. And that was it. I, I, I mean, I mean, at this, and at National League, in British hockey, you're really not going to, you've got to kind of take what is available to you and you're not going to quibble over if a guy's left-handed or right-handed. You look at Sam Jones, it doesn't matter that he was a sixth right-handed defenseman on our unit. You're not going to have someone worse than Sam Jones just to have a left-handed shot. It just happens that Declan Barber is a left-handed shot, which is a nice addition to the team because it does give you that extra option. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. And let's let's uh, let's start to, to wind this one up before we get too involved in the world of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Joe... The news. Let, let's, what else is going on in the world of the National League? Oh, first, the Toronto Maple... No, we're not going to start Tom ranting about that. It's bad enough when we do it. does it all week. Right, last weekend, Saturday, Leeds Knights 4, B's Ice Hockey Club 2. Hat-trick for Brandon Whistle. That's his third in the last few weekends as he just keeps on scoring. Empty net goal to finish it off with 30 seconds to go to put the B's to bed. Two goals from Juhart Lindgren for the Bees, who travelled all the way up to Leeds for the second time in three weeks. It's been some weird scheduling this year in regards to that. I think Swindon's trip to Bracknell was the second in about the same time span. Doing uh, three weeks. Uh, Jordan McLaughlin for the Leeds Knights. Two goals on 44 shots, 9.55 save percentage. Adam Goss didn't exactly have a terrible night himself. Three goals on 48 shots. 
That's a 9.38 save percentage. Tom, why are you texting me 50p? I think said, I know. You said the B word. I think you said the B word. You said we made a trip to the place that begins with B that, unfortunately, RIP no longer has an ice rink. It's got an Amazon warehouse, that matters. <laughs> Carrying on after Tom butts in, as always. <laughs> Saturday night, MK Lightning 4, the Telford Tigers 3. The MK guest selection this week, the wheel falls on Jordan Headley, who turns up for his second appearance for the Lightning. He picks up the win against the Tigers with 34 saves and a 9.19 save percentage. Game-winning goal come from Lee Jameson on the power play with seven minutes to go to make it 4-2 at the time. The Tigers do pull one back with Jonathan Weaver, the man who never seems to be able to stop. He's just carrying on scoring. I believe he's up to about six points in four league games coming back from injury. Uh, goals for the other goals for the Lightning come from Russ Cowley, Sam Talbot and Bobby Chamberlain. Uh, the Tigers scoring from Joe Aston, his sixth of the season at that point, and Andy McKinney. Rounding off the Saturday night, it's the Sheffield Steel Dogs for Peterborough Phantoms. Nothing. Shut out for Dimitri Zamozdra. We love him. Or I do anyway. Um, <laughs> I won't on Sunday. No. No, no. That's the one That's the one night we don't like him. It's okay. Uh, goals for the Steel Dogs from James Spur, Sam Tanner, Jason Hewitt and Louis Newell. Two points each for Lee Hayward, Matt Bissonette. Lee Hayward's night ended early. Two minutes from the end. Match penalty, checking from behind against the Phantoms. Jordan Marr, again, didn't exactly have a terrible night. 38 saves, 9-0-5 as the Phantoms' win streak comes to an end. Sunday, the Sheffield Steel Dogs have finished off their double home weekend with a 4-1 win over the Basingstoke Bison. Two goals from Jason Hewitt, one from Sam Towner, which was hilariously mistyped on Twitter as Sam Steiner, causing British hockey to go, who, who, and panic, looking for an elite prospect page that didn't exist. <laughs> Another goal for James Bird ran it off. Three points for Matt Bissonette. The Bison's only goal coming from Alex Roberts. Uh, Alex met him getting the start there, obviously, with the injury to Dwee. They called up Matt Harrison from the Buffalo and Elliot Lewis from some team called the Solent Devils to make the trip all the way up to Sheffield. Dimitri Zamozdra rounding off his pretty good weekend. 32 saves, only giving up the one goal on 59 shots. Uh, the Dimmy God is now 14-2-1. and one in this season, a 9.21 save percentage, a 2.53 goals against average, and one shutout. Oh no, here comes that bad man again. Raiders 3, MK Lightning 4 on the Sunday. Uh, the Lightning do what the Cats couldn't do last week, and win in Rumford. Two goals from Sam Talbot, running, coming from behind us, they were 3-2 down with eight minutes to go, thanks to two goals from Aaron Connolly for the Raiders. Talbot scoring at 52-16, and then again at 57-47. Identical goals, which You'll see a lot this year, Talbot from Chamberlain, from Norris, or some variation thereof, like the good old Wildcats days of 1960-89. It's inevitable. Uh, one news, bit of news from the Lightning game in this one was Brandon Stones leaving the game after the second period. I believe it was a puck to the helmet that he took. It shook him up. He tried to play the rest of, rest of the game. Finished the period. Uh, Matt Smithall came in in relief, gave up one goal on 13 shots to get the win for the Lightning. I think that's always the that's always the worst ones for me. When you're the guy that starts the game, you play 40 minutes, you get injured, and then the backup comes in and gets the win on the stat sheet. <laughs> and rounding off Sunday, it's an interesting one. Peter Phantom 6, Leeds Knights 4. Uh, Four-point night for Tom Norton, who finally found his shooting stick. Two goals from Nathan Salem as well. Three points to Duncan Spears. Three for Alish Padlek. Uh, they get the game-winning goal at 53-23 with a power play goal from former Wildcat Callum Buglis, of all players. The man who is probably single-handedly voted least likely to pop up on a game sh- on a score sheet. Uh, this game, most notable for Kieran Brown, who received a five-and game for roughing, being ejected for what I believe has been deemed a sucker punch, as from what I'm told, on former, another former Wildcat, Luke Johnson. There is a picture going round. Me, better Tom, I've all seen it. Kieran Brown sucker punched Luke Johnson because Luke Johnson wanted to make sure Kieran Brown was wearing a cup. Um, yeah. So that must have hurt, and I'm sure Luke Johnson's face hurt afterwards. Brown finished with three assists before he was thrown out. Sam Zajac, Sam Zajac, Zajac I'll, I'll speak English in a minute, gets three points as well as the Knights go down 6-4 as I try and get the lovely EIHA website to load as it is super fast and brilliant. 
table now stands at the Sheffield Steel Dogs are top of the league on 20 points. The Swindon Wildcats in second with a game in hand on 18. Telford have two games in hand on the Steel Dogs. They're on 15. And the Lightning round out the top four on 14. The Peter Phantoms resurgence season move up to fifth with 10. Raiders on six. The Leeds Knights on eight. And the Bison and the Bees keeping it together like local rivals do on six points. Thoughts, lads? Sunday is going to be such a crucial game of hockey. I think all of the last five games against the Steel Dogs are, unfortunately. It's one of those series. It's like when you had the Bison Phoenix series a few years ago when they were fighting out for the top spot. I think it came down to one point in the end. Yeah. It's those six games that matter the most. No offence towards the every other team, but those six could be the big ones in deciding where the title goes in the end of April. And the fact that Dimitri Zamozdra, who for some reason people still don't keep putting respect on his name, is a wall. I know we get a lot from the Wildcats fans of saying Renny Marr and the wall, and everyone's seen that image posted on Facebook and Twitter. But let's face it, at the moment, he's the demigod. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you like you listen to the podcast and you know the voices and you don't know who who Joe is, you'll you'll see Joe because he'll be the guy walking around in a couple of weeks' time with a t-shirt that says Dimmy God on it. Um, oh, don't tempt me. It's Christmas, he's coming, and who knows what may happen with the Wildcast Secret Santa. Wildcast Secret Santa. That's gonna be a fun one. Yeah. We're, we're, we're Who's going to get who? It's gonna take ages to work it out. Oh no, Tom's got a box with things that can't be said on a podcast in it. That could be anybody. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I yeah, like you said, I think Sunday is going to be crucial. That whole series is going to be crucial, uh, especially with the fact that the Cats currently do have that game in hand. I don't, I haven't gone through the fixture list to try and work out when that is. It could be February before I before we, we know about it. <laughs> Let's face it, with the schedule this year, it could be February. Yeah. Um, saying about Sunday, we also can't ignore Saturday first. The Phantoms are on a hot streak. Five wins out of six. They've turned it around, oddly enough, with the arrival of Nathan Salem. So the Cats need to be on it. I want four points. I'll be happy with three. I don't want naught. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I'd potentially even take two this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like, Anything that isn't zero. <laughs> It's yeah. going to be, a t- I mean, every weekend in the National League is tough at the moment, but it's going to be a tough weekend. Um, as you say, Peterborough resurgent uh, and Slava Kulikov is an excellent coach who gets you know, the best out of his hockey teams. And then the Sheffield Steel Dogs this year are the Sheffield Steel Dogs. And they're, they're on a roll and they have been since you know day one. So it's going to be tough. Yeah. Is there... Uh... Anything else in, in, in the news section? Nothing really happened this week other than, yeah, a couple of, you know, Ashley Tate causing Tom to have an aneurysm all the rest of the weekend and that's the half hour before we recorded the show. And, Don't get me started again. Oh, no. Are we saying that we can turn the uh, the magic whiteboard behind you from how long, how many weeks British hockey's been good, or the world of ice hockey, sorry, has been good from one to two? Yeah, I could put two up on the board. I'll do that at some point. Um, before we send it over to the horror show, the weekly horror show, um, after a month of playing an eternal game of catch-up, nihlstats.wordpress.com, finally, I'm back up to date. It took two weeks of WordPress being rubbish, and then my laptop screen broke. <laughs> that put me back two weeks as well. And we're finally back. I didn't go to Slough on yesterday as we record this, because I wanted to try and catch up. I had to go through 122 games in the last three weeks. My eyeballs hurt. But yes, we're back. Everything is on there. By the time you listen to this, it will all be up to date, including the weekly review that I do with uh, Banners on the Wall that he uses. Uh, Hopefully the Super 7 series will be back next week as you listen to this, because I I need a night off. And yeah, hopefully, it touches every form of wood on my desk. Nothing's going to go horribly wrong anymore. Please. Um, yeah, any hits you'd like to give me, that'd be great. I've had nothing the last month because I haven't been able to tweet anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we've said it before, 
uh, check it out. NIHL Stats is the place to go to get your numbers on pretty much any league in British ice hockey, to be honest. Uh, Here we go. It's time for the horror show. Tom, please don't get this wrong. So, you know, it's a it's a normal weekend, like home and away, easy, no midweek games, I, you know, yeah. So Saturday, twenty seventh of November, Swindon Wildcats at home to what we said a resurgent Peterborough Phantom side. Six no, no, no. Game. We said resurgent. You said resurgent. Yes, I did say resurgent. <laughs> but we said resurgent Peterborough Phantom side. Six thirty face off at the Link Centre. Um, streams tickets, etc. on sale via the Wildcats website. And then on Sunday, a nice early face-off, but a long journey to Sheffield to take on the Steel Dogs in a massive game at Ice Sheffield. As I say, 4.30 face-off. Tickets are on sale on their website. On the door, I'd imagine, because Ice Sheffield usually isn't completely packed for these games. And they believe they will probably have a stream. I don't know. I haven't seen it. They have a stream. And the Steel Dogs stream, to be fair, is usually excellent and hosted by the Sheffield Steelers, Jonathan Fernley, usually. Um, so potentially an potentially a stream worth buying if you're not travelling. Just doing yeah, so well. And a nice, yeah, like I say, a nice early 4.30 face-off. So hopefully not a horrendously late return to Swindon on that one. Do you want to sell him or should I, Ben? Is Jonathan Fernley not doing the stream this time? You can go for it. No. Of course he isn't, because there's another team in Sheffield that he was doing for. Um, it's always helpful when people put it on their Twitter feed and don't actually include no, their actual name. Um, at El Gordo Steel is that their is, usual commentator. That is um, Roger Williams, I believe. Roger Williams. Apologies. I, I, I was I was still going off the fact that Jonathan did the um, streaming series for them. Um, yeah, so, I thought this weekend yeah. just gone. It was uh, it was Roger with uh, with Craig Simpson from the AHA this weekend for the baseball okay. game. Yeah. So, Fair enough. So interesting. Excellent, Roger Williams. Roger Williams this weekend. Yeah, Roger Williams, who to be fair is also excellent, um, and did the streaming series with um, Jonathan Fernley. So yeah, it's it, but yeah, what, what I'm saying is the Steel Dogs do have a really good stream, and yeah, if you're not able to travel up to Sheffield, definitely worth buying that one. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, anything else from either of you before I wrap this one up? No, it's just obviously it's hoping, praying for a successful weekend, hoping, praying that we get Autumn Cup final dates soon, so that way all three of us can book various forms of travel and hotels in Leeds. Please not a Friday night in Leeds. Have you seen the hotel prices, Aaron? Um, yeah, other than that, it's it's a nice, easy, relaxing week. Yeah, and I think that, that kind of sums it up nicely. So, Joe, Tom, thank you both again. We will see you all next week for episode 33.